Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. How's everybody doing? Man, good to see you guys. Great to see you. Amazing to see you. Hey, I'm excited. We are continuing this series in the book of Mark. We are in Mark chapter 11 today. We've been on a two-year journey through the book of Mark, walking verse by verse. We've now come to chapter 11. Um, It's going to take us a few more months into 2021. This is actually the last Sunday in the book of Mark for this year. And I think it's interesting that we've come to a story or a section of scripture that begins the journey of Jesus going to the cross. And we've come to it on the cusp of Christmas, on the cusp of a moment where we will celebrate our Savior born. We're going to talk about today the beginning of the journey of our Savior killed or crucified. And so we're looking at the section of scripture that is the triumphal entry. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 11, I'm going to read from there in a moment. But I want to talk to you today about something. And I brought a box and some goodies inside to illustrate this. So this is a Boba Fett Star Wars edition. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but Legos are not cheap. And uh, as a father of children, I recognized this more recently. And I thought, man, I'm going to grab this for a sermon illustration on Sunday, and then I got the price tag. I was like, oh my goodness, but you guys are worth it, okay? So I paid for it. Um, This is a Star Wars Boba Fett, and I wanted to talk to you guys about this idea of the picture and your purpose. Everybody say, the picture and your purpose. I want to talk to you guys today about your purpose. You see, my kids, they do Legos, and one thing I've recognized is that the pieces don't always match the picture. You see, this looks nice. This is Boba Fett, if you guys know, um, the son of Jango Fett. He's a child. He's a clone, actually, if you didn't know. But um, some of you Star Wars nerds in the house, who loves Star Wars? Have you seen the new Mandalorian episode? Oh, my goodness, it blew my mind. Who does not care about Star Wars at all? Raise your hand. Okay, y'all, I'm praying for you. That was a lot of you. You need the Holy Spirit in your life and the force. No, I'm kidding. But I was thinking about it because when my kids, you know, start in on Legos, they say, Dad, like, here's what we want to make. And they show me the picture. And I'm like, man, that looks amazing. But then we pull out the pieces and the pieces and the pieces, I'm, I'm not kidding, this is all for this. And the pieces, wait, I'm not done. And the pieces, and before you know it, there is a lot of pieces to make up that picture. And so my kids will say, Dad, will you make this with me? And I'm like, let me look at the instructions on the box, and before I know it, I've read this could take up to eight hours. And I'm like, I got to be real, boys. The picture is not worth the process. And I think that there's a lot of people today in this culture that have a picture. 
Man, you were young and you got a picture for your purpose. You got a picture for your life when you were a teenager, when you were in college, when you were a young adult. You had a picture, but the process of putting together the pieces has destroyed your motivation. You've lost the priority of the process. And so some of you have given up on the picture because the process is so difficult. And so I want to talk to you today about the picture and your purpose because I think this story in the book of Mark really essentially illustrates for us in a big way what purpose looks like. We're going to learn from Jesus and what he tells us about purpose from this section and about the disciples. So let's read Mark chapter 11. I'm going to read verse 1 through 11. So stick with me. It will be on the screen behind me. There's a giant Bible behind me. It says this. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. Can we pray? Lord, I pray that you would speak to us from your word. Speak to us about our purpose and your purposes for us. May we leave here changed, different than we came in. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So if we go to the account in, in the book of John, we see that Jesus actually, the last time he was in Jerusalem was six months ago. He resurrected Lazarus from the dead. Six months prior. And now here, he travels back to Jerusalem. Now, I want to just illustrate this journey he took because it says he went from Bethany, Bethphage, into Jerusalem. And so here's an image of, it's a little map, real quick, of Jesus' journey, the triumphal entry, they call it. So he started in Bethany. Now, this was like a suburb of Jerusalem, so it wasn't very far. And Bethany, it even said, if you were paying attention, when I read in verse number 11, it says, after he went into the synagogue, he went back to Bethany because it was very close, and um, one of his disciples had a family member, and they would often sleep at the home in Bethany. So he comes from Bethany, walks up to Bethphage, by the Mount of Olives, through the, uh, past the Garden of Gethsemane, and then up to the temple in Jerusalem. You always went up to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was about 3,000 feet above um, sea level. And so it was a, a, a climb up. Now, some of us would hear this, and we've, are, we've only seen... Um, musicals or plays at church. Some of you went to some Easter plays at church and you saw this idea of the triumphal entry. We would actually call this Palm Sunday when Jesus entered in to Jerusalem. Now, it actually wasn't on Sunday. It was on Monday, but we call it Palm Sunday. And uh, so we'll call it Palm Monday now. 
and we see this image, and you've been to church, and there's like maybe 30 people on stage like waving palm branches or like throwing the palm branches on the ground. And that's our image of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. Like, wow, that's pretty triumphal. It doesn't seem that triumphal. But in fact, three times a year, the Jews, those who follow Judaism, would make the trip to Jerusalem. And they made the trip for the religious festivals. And one of those was Passover. And so this, which is the biggest one, I mean, this is the biggest religious uh, practice of the Israelites, of the Jews, of those who follow Judaism. So they say that on this, you know, section, on this day, in this time period, upwards of 100 to 200,000 people would have gone into the city of Jerusalem. It would have swelled. So when we see, whether it's on movies or TV shows or some Easter play, we see them waving palm branches and it's like a few dozen people. They say, and historians will say, it was tens of thousands, upwards of 100,000 people on the journey, waving palm branches, shouting, cheering, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. And I want to talk to you today about a picture of your purpose. Because I think that a lot of us are waiting for that triumphal entry moment in our lives. Or we're gearing our lives off for the triumphal entry moment. But I'm going to show you that Jesus, right after the triumphal entry, he isn't excited. He actually weeps. And so maybe what you're building your life on and, and looking at and building towards is this picture that maybe isn't the purpose that God even has for your life. We have to make sure that the picture we're trying to build is the right picture. So I want to talk to you today about a picture of your purpose, and there's some things that I think are going to encourage you today in how to build your purpose in a way that is focused on God. And the first is that there is a prerequisite required. Everybody say prerequisite. Now, prerequisite is a great word. Don't say it 10 times fast, but it's a great word, and this is what a prerequisite means. It is a thing that is required as a prior condition for something else to happen or exist. So I believe that there is a prerequisite for the picture that you have of your purpose. There's a prerequisite for you to get the picture of the purpose that you're hoping for that God has for you. And I want you to hear this because this is maybe the most important thing I'm going to say to you today. Here's the prerequisite for you to walk in your purpose. It's one word, obedience. This is the greatest and most overlooked prerequisite in the body of Christ. You want to know why? Because obedience is all about consistency. And consistency is the most overlooked attribute as in human beings, I believe, and especially in our culture. I mean, let's be real. We celebrate when somebody loses a bunch of weight. And we should. Some of you have lost a bunch of weight. Way to go. But the people who've been consistent in their health for 10 years, 20 years, I weigh the same exact weight I weigh. 
Wade, when I graduated from college at 21, and I'm now 39, ain't nobody talked to me about, way to go, Caleb. Like, wait, you look great. No, I always look like this. So I get no praise. Why? Because it's consistency. I haven't changed. I haven't wavered. Why? Because I consistently do the same thing. But we don't celebrate that. We say, and I'm not saying like if you lost weight, like good job, keep going. But I want to see consistency. That's what God is looking for. Daily obedience. That's what he calls us to. That's what he challenges us with. What's most important is often least impressive. Consistency, obedience is most important, I believe, as followers of Christ. And yet it's often the least impressive. You don't get a lot of praise as a mom. Why? Because that's just what you're supposed to do. I don't give my wife a lot of praise for her cooking. Why? Because I'm just like, that's what you're supposed to do. Now, ladies, I'm, and I know some men cook in here, just not in our family, all right? I've tried to cook. It ain't good. So Chrissy has said, I got this. But I don't give her praise. Why? Because that's just what she does. I need to do better, babe. You're an amazing cook. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes she throws down those Filipino dishes. Come on, somebody. Uh, amazing Thanksgiving. But consistency, what is most important, is often the least impressive. And so what happens here is Jesus actually tells the disciples to do something that required obedience. He says, I need you to go into the town and grab a colt, untie it, and bring it. And they're like, but what if someone asks us? Because basically Jesus is saying, I want you to go steal a colt. Now, if we go King James version on you, um, in, in the ESV, which I'm using, it says colt. But King James, which keeps it real, it actually says another word for donkey. You know what I'm saying? But we got some kids in the room, so I'm not going to say it. Um, it's a donkey. And goes in to get the donkey. And the disciples are like, Jesus, are you sure? Like, you want us to just take this thing? Just take this donkey? Just bring it? And he's like, yes. And if they ask you, say, the Savior has need of it. And tell them it's going to just find its way back because I'm Jesus and I can do that. He asked them to essentially steal, to break the law, kind of like you all are doing by being at church today. And this is a reminder to us about the prerequisite that is required to walk in purpose, which is obedience. And the disciples choose obedience. And they question Jesus, like, are you sure? Like, what if someone says something to us? And he says, here's what you're going to tell them, but it requires obedience. And I just want to challenge us today because I think walking in your purpose is only possible if you fulfill your prerequisite. And the prerequisite is consistent obedience. Today, may we be consistent. May our lives be so boring that people give us no praise. But the people around us go, man, they're consistent. Wow, they show up every time. Wow, they're always doing the right thing. I'm telling you, in the short term, you may not get praise. But in the long term, you will have fruit. And I want to live a life not for praise, but for fruit. Because fruit matters way more. Prerequisite required. Obedience. Consistent obedience. Second, picture of your purpose. The pieces aren't always pretty. 
How many of you hear this? I need an amen this morning. I don't ask for them often, but how many of you know the pieces are not all often pretty? In my life and with my wife, I mean, we've had some seasons in our life that were not pretty. But so often we're so fixated on the picture that the unpretty pieces leave us frustrated, often get us stuck, often make us give up, we quit. You know, my kids, they, they'll start through the process of building, I mean, there's bags within bags. Look at all of these pieces, and it's not pretty. In fact, when, they first, when you first start making things, it looks like, how is this going to look like that? I don't see it. And so what we do is because consistency and faithfulness and patience is so difficult for us, we quit on the process. The pieces aren't always pretty, but God is looking for people who will continue on, who will continue with faithfulness. I think that often... We forget about Jesus riding in on a donkey. You see, this was not the animal of a king. This was the animal of a servant. I mean, a king would have come in on a stallion. Black beauty. I just saw it's on Disney+. Plus. A king would have come in on black beauty. A king would have come in on a stallion. But, but Jesus says, I want you to go get that donkey. I want you to go grab that donkey. I'm going to ride in on that. Now, we know from Zechariah 9 that that was actually fulfillment of a prophecy in the Old Testament of who and what Jesus would ride in on. But I want to tell you something today. Someone needs to hear this, that you maybe have been tied up, and you needed Jesus to come in and untie you to loose you for your purpose. How many of you know a donkey is not pretty? A donkey is not pretty, and yet when Jesus takes it, he turned it into the ride for a king. And the king rode the donkey into the city. And I'm here to tell you, some of you have looked at your life and said, Caleb, this isn't pretty. God can't use this. Maybe God just needs to untie you from where you've been, and you need to allow him to saddle up and jump on and watch what he can do with your life. Because when the Savior is with you, let me tell you, there is purpose no matter how ugly you are. Some of y'all ugly in here. Your life's been ugly. The picture has been ugly. Listen, the pieces aren't always pretty. I know you have some stuff in your life that if we put it on the big screen, you would be ashamed. You have some things in your life, if we highlighted it for everyone, you would hide, you'd run, you'd run out the door. Then I want to tell you, not every piece has been pretty, but when God touches it, he can redeem every piece of your story and turn it into a testimony. The pieces aren't always pretty, but when we let the Savior grab hold of it, untie it, loose it, he can do something with even the ugliest of the pieces of your process. I found, too, the closer that I get to my purpose, often the further I feel from my purpose. You see, the closer Jesus got to the cross, the further confused the disciples became. 
As Jesus got closer and closer, the disciples got more and more confused because they didn't see it. They didn't understand it. And I just want to tell you, like, maybe some of the pieces you've been putting together in your life, some of the pieces in the process don't look like you thought they would look, and you think you're getting further. But if you stay fixated on the Savior, I'm telling you, you're actually getting closer. The picture may be taking different form. And that's why I asked you a few weeks ago, like, are you open to a revision? Because sometimes God has to revise the picture. Maybe it's not Boba Fett that he was making. Maybe I put this together and next thing you know, it's Darth Vader. No, Luke Skywalker. Let me tell you, it may not be pretty, but listen to me, church. The king knows what he's doing. The king knows what he's doing. I know the disciples are going, Jesus, what? Do you, what? A, a, a donkey? Uh, really? You want to ride in on a donkey? Like, what? I'm sure there's a lot of horses, stallions around. Like, how about we go to the stable and we get one of those? And you say, no, no, no. There's a purpose behind this. I'm fulfilling a prophecy with that animal. And maybe there's a purpose in the ugly pieces of your life. You just don't see it. So you got to trust him. Third, picture of your purpose is that people won't understand. How many of you know people just won't understand? Just as the disciples, the closer they got, the closer Jesus got to his purpose, the less the disciples understood. The more confused they became. Not only that, but the closer Jesus got to his purpose, the further he actually got from their plans. Their plans. Man's plans. What do I mean by that? I mean people love to put a picture on your life. People want to put a picture of what they think your purpose should look like on your life. People are going to say, no, 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 the picture you have or you feel like God's given you, I don't think that's quite right. I got something else that I think you should do. There are plans on your purpose. And I want to tell you right now, you cannot listen. You cannot listen. They won't always understand what God is telling you to do. What did the people see when they shouted hosanna so if you don't know hosanna means save us so when we sing hosanna here in church we're singing save us the people sung hosanna hosanna in the highest blessed is he they shouted who comes in the name of the lord what did they see they saw a conquering political hero so many people when we moved down here to plant a church told us don't do it they said, Caleb, I have pastors meet with me. Caleb, don't plant a church in downtown. You can't grow a church in downtown. There's no parking in downtown. There's no buildings in downtown. They didn't know that there was a building waiting for us with parking underneath. Come on, somebody. They just didn't see it because it was hidden. Parking garages. Only God could do that. What did the people see? They saw a political hero. But Jesus was coming for a different reason. Not only that, but how many know Pharisees are always lurking? 
The Pharisees, you know what a Pharisee is? They were the religious elite. They were those who followed the letter of the law but had no concept of the spirit of the law. You see, as followers of Christ, we don't walk by the letter of the law. We walk by the spirit of the law. You see, the letter of the law was there because the spirit was there. The letter set parameters, but the spirit was always about hope and grace. And what happens in the church is we get caught up in a pharisaical mindset where we make it about the letter of the law. And we want to crush people when they make mistakes. But the spirit of the law says, no, there's grace on you no matter what you've done, no matter what your past, no matter what your mistakes. So the Pharisees show up. I just want to illustrate this. You see, there's an account of this in Luke as well. Luke chapter 19. I want to look at that real quick. This same account of the triumphal entry. And we go to Luke 19 and verse number 38. They sing, blessed is he, the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. You see, the Pharisees are always waiting. And so there are religious people around you or in your life that may not understand your purpose. They may not understand your picture. They may not understand what God has called you to. And I just want to tell you, you just bless them. You say, thank you, thank you, I bless you, and you keep moving forward. You see, you don't have to respond in a pharisaical way yourself. Let me tell you, people have been coming at me like never before, church. Ooh, my goodness. It's a good season to be a pastor. They're coming at me from every different direction about every different topic you can imagine. Obviously, we're in the middle of a tough season. And everyone's got their perspective and, and their political beliefs and their ideas. And I just bless them and I say, I'm going to keep it moving on what God has called me to do. People won't always understand. And that's why you can't listen to man. You must listen to the voice of God. And some of us... In this room, we've allowed man to influence us far too much. We've allowed opinions of people to influence us far too much. People don't understand. So do what God is calling you to do. And love them in the process. So Jesus goes on. I want to show you verse 41 and 42 in Luke. Right after they say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. It goes on in verse 41. Throw, me, throw 41 up for me. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Everybody say wept. This is right after the triumphal entry. I said this at the beginning. You guys remember? So right after the triumphal entry, Jesus gets closer to the city. He's walked through all the people. And he weeps over it. Verse 42. Saying, would that you, even you had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. Why does Jesus weep right after the people champion him? Shout Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Why would Jesus have weeped and said, this was for peace, but it's been hidden from their eyes? Why? He weeps because they are celebrating what they think he's going to do. But it wasn't to change their circumstances. It was to change them. And so I want you to hear me because sometimes we make the picture and the purpose 
everything. And I want to tell you, what you do, the picture that God makes on the outside, compares nothing to what God is doing to you on the inside. You could do everything great. You could dream and, and, and build a business and be successful and have a ton of followers and have so much influence on this earth. But if God has not changed internally you, then it will all be for naught. And what Jesus is doing here, why he weeps, is like they think I'm coming to establish an earthly kingdom, to dethrone the, Rom the Romans and to become the king, the physical king of Israel. But I've not come to make an earthly kingdom. I've come to make a heavenly kingdom. I haven't come to change their circumstances. I've come to change them. Their hearts, their lives. Why? Because earth is temporary. Heaven is forever. So the picture that maybe you think you have for your life and maybe has you stuck. Listen, some of you don't understand. I said people don't understand, but maybe you don't understand. Because here's what I've seen. I think sometimes we get stuck on a piece because maybe the shape that the picture is taking is not what we thought our life was going to look like. And so in the process, we actually get frustrated with God and we go, God, how could you turn my picture into this? I had something different in mind. And so we're bitter and we're frustrated and we're angry. And so you know what? We're on bag two and we get stuck in bag two. And God says, no, 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 keep going. There's still back three. There's still back four. I was on it. I didn't even know. There's still back five. But we get stuck in bag two. Why? Because we don't understand that God may be building a picture that looks different than what we thought. So I just want to challenge you because I think some of you have allowed yourself to get stuck in bag two when God was ready for you to move on. Finish that bag. It's time to go to bag three. You don't understand. Finally, if the keys would come back, if we're going to today have a picture of our purpose, we have to recognize that praise is not always present. Praise is not always present. They praise him on his way into the city. But a week later, they curse him. They shout Hosanna one day. And a few days later, they shout crucify him. You see, there is temptation, especially in this culture. I'm guilty of it with you. To do the things that we know will give us the praise of people. And I want to confess, as a, a human being, a man today in this room, I have made decisions even in our church because of man's opinions and I have to confess that I have to repent of that I have to ask forgiveness of that of you, uh, of our church and, and of God but the great thing about God is he forgives us and he says that's fine just don't do it again you messed up one time but you don't have to mess up another time. Maybe you messed up in bag two. You don't got to stay in bag two. Because when I get to bag three, I've learned a thing or two.
I get to bag three and I'm not putting the piece in the wrong position this time because I learned something in the process but I don't do it for praise so what happens I read it earlier to you in the Luke account the, the Pharisees say teacher rebuke your disciples Rebuke your disciples for shouting Hosanna. Rebuke your disciples for shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Rebuke your disciples for declaring you the Savior. Rebuke them. But he answers them. I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. You see, praise won't always be present from people, but walking in your purpose is how you praise. And so I just want to shout to you today. I want to tell you, because some of you are out there right now and you've got caught up in the praises of people when all along you were supposed to be thinking of yourself as praise. You see, I don't live my life for the praises of people. I live my life saying, no, I am praise. I carry praise. I walk in praise. Why? Because if it's not me, that chair will cry out. See, you guys didn't know this, but for weeks, we were preaching to an empty room. For weeks, we were doing worship to a camera. And I want to tell you, it's not as fun. But I also want to tell you, in the room, I even heard the chairs crying out. I hurt because God was still here. He was still present. It doesn't matter our circumstance. We don't need a room full of people to feel the presence of God. God can meet us in our car, at our home, in our living room, with our children. Praise is always present because I am praise. Because I carry praise wherever I go. Some of us are so focused on the final product. And God's called us to just take one piece at a time. So I just want to encourage you, church, that you would stop worrying about if the pieces look like the picture and trust Jesus that he will bring it all into fruition in his timing. Stop getting worried about the final product. I mean, Boba Fett looks good. But we get so caught up in the final product and maybe God wants to create a different picture. Maybe it's what's happening in us as much as what we're presenting to the world. Maybe we have to remember that I carry praise no matter the picture because praise is my ultimate purpose. So I wanted to end with that, that you would see your life as praise. When I make dinner for my kids, it's praise. When I get home from work, and my kids say, Dad, will you play with us? It's praise. When I go to work in the morning, it's praise. When I talk to my neighbors, it's praise. When, when I have a conversation with my wife, it's praise. When I go to school, it's praise. When, when I wake up in the morning and say, I'm awake, it's praise. That I would see every aspect of my life as praise. You see, praise isn't always present from people, especially in the process. You're not going to get praise in bag one. You may not see the praise during bag two. You may not see the praise during bag three, bag four, bag five. But what we recognize as followers of Christ is that every bag was praise. 
I don't need the praise of people to see that my life is praise, that I carry praise, that I walk with praise, that every breath that comes out of me is praise. So I want to believe for, and I'm calling for a church that would say, I'm going to walk out of this room, and everything I do, I'm going to say, I'm walking in praise. Not for people to praise me, but because I was created to praise Him. Everything I do. So church, let's go from here with praise in us. You see, we think it's just the big moments. We think it's just when we get to the picture. But God's saying, no, it's every little piece. Every mundane moment that you have overlooked, if you shift your perspective, you realize and recognize that it's praise. And guess what that does for you? It gives you purpose. You don't need the picture anymore. Because every piece is your purpose. Every step is your purpose. Every moment is your purpose. You don't need the picture. One day you'll get there. But guess what? The picture may look a lot different than you thought. I don't know what I thought for my life. I don't know what pic I had pictures. And it looks different. Never knew I was going to marry a Filipino. I did. That was not a picture when I was a young man. But let me tell you. I've seen every moment of my life as praise. And as a result, it doesn't matter how the picture turns out, I'm walking in purpose. I want you guys to walk in purpose today, and it's so simple. It's just seeing it all, every piece in the bag, as praise to God. Would you bow your heads with me across this place, church? Online. Hope this message has encouraged you in the room. I believe this message has strengthened us. But today, before we go, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ. To respond to salvation. Maybe you're in this room and you say, Caleb, you talked about this triumphal entry and this Savior who came not to usher in a, a kingdom and change their circumstances, but to change them. And I've been stuck. Maybe you're a cult that's tied up. You've been stuck. And today, you need Jesus to set you free. If you need Jesus in this room for the first time, you need to recommit yourself anew afresh. Or if you're online, I want you to lift your hand right now in this room. One, two, three. You need Jesus. Go ahead. Put your hand up. Yes, hands are going up in the room. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, church. Give God some praise right now. Online, if you raise your hand, wherever you are, or in your heart, let's all repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, forgive me my sins my mistakes, my past. I ask you today to change me from the inside out. I need you to give me my purpose, to untie me and send me on the journey with you. I love you, Jesus. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's give God some praise as you stand, church, for all these people that raise their hands. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing one last song. And I want this song to be our final declaration of praise. That I'm going to see every step, every piece, every mundane moment as praise. Because that's how I fulfill my purpose. So let's sing. Our prayer team's up here. If you need prayer for anything, you raise your hand. They'd love to pray with you. Come on, church. Let's lift our voices and let's praise because of the purpose he's given us. Come on, sing with us, church. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. 
We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.